Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your first government podcast of the year. Uh, this podcast is going to start out talking about the structure of the Constitution and the U.S. government. Hey, before we get rolling any further, I want to let you know about today's sponsor for this podcast. It is the First Amendment, because guess what? Without it, <laughs> you wouldn't have a thing called podcasts. So when we start talking about government, uh, the word constitution should be the first thing to come to your mind when we start talking about the United States government. It's what sets apart the United States government from all of their, all the other governments that were existing at the time uh, when the country was founded. Um, the constitution itself has eight main sections. You need to know what those sections are. Uh, they're the preamble. Next, you have the first article, Article 1, which deals with the legislative Article 2 deals with executive. Article 3 deals with judicial. Article 4 deals with state relations. Article 5, the amendments to the Constitution. Article 6, prior debts, national supremacy, oaths of office. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. And Article uh, 7, which deals with the actual ratification, so the approval system for this new government that was being started. So, this constitution identifies some things for us. It's three branches of government, okay? Three branches, three sections, three areas of government. These branches provide the structure for all governments within the United States. So these same branches are seen at state, county, town, and city levels. The three branches are the legislative, executive, and judicial branches. Now, let's actually talk about what each of these branches actually do. The legislative branch actually makes the laws. So, determining speed limits, determining the drinking age, determining if um, you can cross the street while holding a chicken above your head. You laugh, but there's crazy laws out there. But legislative branch makes all the laws. So they actually are the ones you see on CNN, on Fox News, NBC, all that stuff, the Senators, House of Representatives, all of those people are part of the legislative branch. Now, next branch is the executive, okay? That's the president, okay? We've had 45 of them. They actually sign the laws and make them into laws because they're just a bill, really, when they start in the legislative branch. They approve it, they pass it, and then the president has a couple options. He can veto it, as in, get rid of it, I don't want it, swipe left, or he can actually sign it into law and make it actually a functioning part of the legal stuff that we as citizens have to follow. Now, executive branch also makes sure to determine how laws are actually being enforced, okay? Next is the judicial branch. What do they actually do? Well, they decide if laws are constitutional, so, legislative branch can pass a law. They think it's great, it's wonderful, and then it goes to the president. He can sign it. He thinks it's great and wonderful. But if it contradicts something else in the Constitution or in the Bill of Rights, the judicial branch can actually then look at the other two branches and go, you can't do that. So, those are the three branches, what they actually do and how they function a little bit. Um, if we think about each of these areas of responsibility – that same idea of having three branches that kind of check into each other carries down through the entire country. If we're talking about the state of Tennessee, guess what? 
that we have a legislative branch, just like the national government. We have an executive branch, okay, the governor, just like essentially he's the president of the state, okay? Then we have a judicial branch that can actually declare things unconstitutional to say, hey, the other two branches, you can't do that. You go all the way down to city level government. You have a city council here in Memphis. You actually have a mayor. He's the executive, right? He's basically the president of Memphis. And then you actually have a judicial system that can declare those laws that they pass unconstitutional. So in all levels of government, you have this unique kind of system that actually kind of works pretty well in establishing different areas of responsibility. So that gets us to my favorite thing on the podcast this first episode, the umbrella model. So what on earth is the umbrella model? Well, if you're looking at the notes for the show, which you should be doing the entire time, uh, if you're not, you should pull them up. They're on Google Classroom. Um, Looking at the notes, you'll see that there's this image, and it has these things at the top says threats to freedom. See the little arrows kind of coming down. Then you see these little umbrellas. I kind of tried to draw them, make them look cool. I probably didn't do it that well, but you can look at them. You have these umbrellas. The biggest umbrella in government is the national government, large-scale stuff, military. That's what they deal with. There's the state government. They deal with things like higher education, so colleges and stuff, maybe regional issues, more agricultural-type things, farming. That's a kind of more state government. Not as big of a deal as national government, but still a lot of stuff that impacts you. Then you have the local government. That's talking your firemen, your policemen, um, local school districts, small-scale issues. Like if the street in your neighborhood gets paved, that pothole that your mom hits every day when you leave your neighborhood – Guess whose responsibility that is? Local government. Federal government has nothing to do with it. State government has nothing to do with it. That's local government. So imagine if you can, looking at these wonderful umbrellas, they're protecting the citizen, the individual. Imagine if you can, you yourself standing underneath these umbrellas. They all have different functions, right? They kind of line up differently. If you look at them, federal government's the biggest, but it doesn't protect the threats to your freedom in every area. It does a lot of things, but not everything. State government in the same way. It provides certain services, certain uh, protection to you as a person, but it doesn't cover everything. And then local government's kind of closest to you for imagining you standing underneath these umbrellas, but it does not have the huge capacity, money, taxes coming in that they can actually spend Nothing like the state or federal government. So as you look at this umbrella of systems, you have to think of there are threats to your freedom. We'll get into those next podcasts, next two podcasts, actually. We'll talk about threats to freedom. Just imagine there's things coming after you, and the government acts as an umbrella to kind of shield you from some of these bad possibilities that can happen. So that's the umbrella model. You need to see the different levels of government, kind of know an idea of what they're responsible for, and that's kind of what you need to know about the umbrella model for now. So now that we kind of see the structure, we kind of see how the system kind of works, what on earth is the government's actual goals? What should they be? Well, there are specific expectations for government that are actually laid out in the Constitution. It's in this thing called the preamble. So maybe the introductory paragraph for the Constitution. Let me read it to you. 
it says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, we do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Okay, fancy language, super long run-on sentence. You know, Miss Roberts would never probably let you put that sentence in a paper if you're, you know, with her in a class. So what are these actual six goals laid out in this huge sentence? What are the six things that are pointed out that are most important for government to do? First, form a more perfect union. What's the idea of that? It means to strengthen the relationship among the states as part of a union and between the states and the national government as part of this new federal system. So when the Constitution is being written, the first government we tried, it was it was an epic failure. It was the Articles of Confederation. It basically said, yeah, we're going to have a national government. We'll have a legislative branch, but they won't be able to actually collect taxes to, I don't know, fund the military, to actually do anything as a government. So it was a pretty much an epic failure. After that mishap, they said, look, we need to form a more perfect union. We need to strengthen relationship. So that's the first goal. Second, establish justice. That means provide laws that are reasonable, fair, and impartial. So the laws themselves that they write have to be able to be reasonable, be fair to everyone, and impartial, not particularly identifying a certain group unnecessarily, and they have to make sure that the administration of those laws is also reasonable, fair, and impartial. Okay? Establish justice. Third, ensure domestic tranquility. It basically means keep peace and maintain order within the country. It's kind of hard to function as a country when there's absolute chaos. Okay? Fourth goal of government is to provide for the common defense. Basically, defend the nation against foreign enemies. So, yeah, if Russia or North Korea decides to start shooting at, you know, Americans, it's kind of the government's job to make sure they don't do that. Hence the military, right? Fifth goal, promote the general welfare. Okay, what does that mean? We're not talking about welfare as in a government program. It's using it in a different way. So what does promote the general welfare mean? It means to allow all states and citizens to benefit militarily and economically from the protection of a strong national government. So this links directly to ensuring domestic tranquility. By having a peaceful environment, it allows each state government and then the people living within those states to benefit and actually be able to trade goods. Guess what? If you want to go buy a car in DeSoto County, Mississippi, you can drive there and down there and do it. Nobody's going to stop you, okay? So by having this general welfare, we are able to, in general, broadly speaking, benefit from a strong military, benefit by able to trade and buy and sell and do things across state lines that wasn't really happening, especially under the Articles of Confederation. The last goal of government is to secure the blessings of liberty, not just to the people that were writing the Constitution, but to their posterity through generations to come. This means they're trying to protect these liberties that they won in the American Revolution, the freedom that was won from the King of England. They're trying to protect that and give it and pass it on to generations to come. So... Those are the six goals of government. Make sure you know them. It pretty much means you have to memorize the preamble, but it's a pretty good thing to memorize. Those are the goals of what government's supposed to do. Now, 
we looked at the umbrella model and we looked at those threats to freedom. So what are those? How important are they as to how government actually functions, what the government can do? How does it fulfill these goals? How does it do these things? And, you know, what impact does it actually have on your life? It's huge. We'll get to those in the next two episodes dealing with the Bill of Rights. Till then, uh, till we get to dive into the Bill of Rights, we will depart for now. Have a good day. Make sure you fill in your notes. Thank you. Bye-bye.